and welcome everybody to the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. Join my father and I as we discuss relevant and meaningful ideas and values inspired by the weekly Torah portion. Our goal is to open our discussion to you in the hopes that it will give you something to think and reflect on, as well as be another interesting conversation that you can have with your family, friends, and peers. So let's delve right in. So we are having an impromptu, quick pod conversation about Yom Yerushalayim. What, what are the attitudes and the thoughts that come when I think about Yom Yerushalayim? I don't know. Where I'm... Well, I don't know. I always thought about Yom Yerushalayim being the attitude was almost like another, like a smaller Independence Day, like. There's Independence Day and then there's Yom Yerushalayim, like when we finally <clears throat> reestablished ourselves in Yerushalayim. I feel like that comes with a lot of hype and it's exciting. Um, but I was asking you before about like the flag parade. I think there's also a lot of stuff that we do that I don't particularly find that meaningful. But um, I think that the day in itself thinking about Yom Yerushalayim could be pretty inspiring. It's pretty nice. I'm saying... Well, we, you remember you mentioned this a lot when we talk about, not when we talk about it, but when we're benching, we always ask about, we always ask to be reestablished in our borders and to be prosperous in our borders and this Eretz Chemda, Tova Rechava. So I think it's cool that we can celebrate a day where we see that coming to fruition to a certain extent. But you're, you're not explaining the difference between Yerushalayim and anything else. You started with the question of like, if, if the modern day Yom Asmod is about thanking and being grateful for having a, a country, then why is there a special date for the, the reunification of Yerushalayim? Well, I think there's... There's the difference in this case. I, I don't feel like if you were in America or somewhere else, if you, um, you'd have an Independence Day, and then there's also like if we were from Chile again, there's like a Santiago Day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the difference is the that even within the conquering of Israel, there's special holiness given to Jerusalem, um, and independence. Um, if we just had the land but not Yerushalayim, it it would have been. It wouldn't have been enough. I'm going a little bit to like the Dayenu in my head for some reason. Like if we would have had Israel, then it would have been enough. But if we had Israel and we also had Yerushalayim, then that would be really awesome. Um, I feel like Yerushalayim is the the center of Israel in terms of the spiritual center. It's like everything has its physical and spiritual counterpart. So even within... Israel, there's that, I think, spiritual, physical counterpart where you could say maybe Israel as a whole is the physical representation of our land and Yerushalayim is the spiritual, rep- is our spiritual land to a certain extent. I think every, all of Yerushalayim is, has Kedusha, so it, but I think Yerushalayim had, had Harabais, had the Beis Amikdash. I find that that's particularly important so yo girl are you asking a question i'm commenting i'm wondering what your commentary i'm I'm wondering what your thoughts are 
I don't have a particular question. Hmm. Well, I agree most of what you said. Just maybe color commentary would be that the modern celebration of Yerushalayim, I think, was established to somehow plasmate. <laughs> what? To plasmare. Plasmar? <laughs> yeah. Like to, to bring together. Yeah. The 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 um a commemoration of of the six the six day war. In other words, we already ha- had Yom Atzmaut as Independence Day, but the modern state of Israel just couldn't not do anything about Yom um, about the Six Day War because the Six Day War was strikingly incredible, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in anyone's book. A remarkable war in anyone's book. It's true. I mean, it's just an incredible, incredible modern day miracle, and I think as time went on. Um, the those in 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 positions to make decisions like this, we're just saying like, we'll call it whatever. We'll call it Yom Yerushalayim, because the reunification of Yerushalayim certainly smacks also of the spiritual part. So we're going to be able to get the spiritual and the religious parties on board with such a celebration. Um, but it's but it's also encapsulated in it historically is the is the great uh, gratitude that we have for the for the war of the sixty seven war and the, how the fortunes again of the Jewish people were turned miraculously <clears throat> into a, an amazing stunning victory that not only was a was a way of defending ourselves but it actually pushed away pushed out uh, what we would call encroachers interlopers invaders people that don't belong here. Um, and um, people that didn't even, you know, were kind of, maybe, many of them were just here just to make sure that the Jews weren't here. <clears throat> so I think to commemorate that, you have Yerushalayim historically. Uh, now, of course, it centers on Yerushalayim. It doesn't center on anything else because, because ultimately 67 was really a defensive-offensive war where our borders were already there and we were protecting our borders. But as a, in order to make sure our enemies wouldn't think of doing it again, there was a lot of counterattacking that took place and preemptive and otherwise that took place that destroyed the, 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 the uh, Egyptians pretty much flat, the Jordanians, <clears throat> the Iraqis, the Syrians. But it's focused more on Yerushalayim because it's just very, it's very poignant to talk about the reunification of Yerushalayim as a, as like a climax to the war because ultimately it did play, take place take place towards the end. <clears throat> and once at that point Yerushalayim was in our hands, so it was kind of like the end of hostilities. So it was kind of like the brocha de oro um, at the end of the um, of it. So so historically, it makes a lot of sense to. For, for the nation, right, to, to do such a thing. Um, however, like you said, you, the big deal about Yerushalayim is that it's, it re- does represent the spiritual center, but it also, it also represents the spiritual idea of Israel. And I think if you have that in mind, a lot of times you can get through a lot of readings, especially on 
days like Tisha B'Av, hmm. where we um, especially single out Yerushalayim as um, a, a special separate lament of like, you know, Yerushalayim is, you know, it's bowed its head, it's been defeated, it's, that's if you were talking about a person. Nachem, the famous prayer that we say, Yerushalayim ha'avela v'acharuva v'abazuya v'ashomema. I mean, you know, when you read Eicha, Eicha yashva badad ha'ir rabasiyam ha'isakamana. It's talking about the city. Right. It's talking about the city of Yerushalayim. Now, of course, probably in the old days, you know, there weren't that many. It wasn't like the tendency of today is like to create modern cities or modernized, populized, populated cities like there is today. So, so there was much more of an emphasis on like the the capital city was where you know the seat of government. It was the seat of everything. It was mm-hmm. certainly you know the most uh, famous city because what else was there outside of Jerusalem? There was probably just mostly farms and fields and maybe communes. But but regardless of that, it's not. It's um, it's clear that you know the idea of besides Jerusalem, perhaps. <clears throat> demographically representing the welfare of the nation, the up and down, <clears throat> the ups and downs of the nation, but it also represents the the spiritual aspect of it. Hmm. Represents the spiritual aspect um, in in many different ways. There's different sources for it. So basically, a lot of times, like today, when we pray, you know, tashu. You know, we're praying that God's presence should rest in Jerusalem. We're basically saying that we want a spiritual aspect in Jerusalem. And the difficulty of praying, you know, oh, you know, the destroyed Jerusalem, like every year that we pray, you know, when you look at Jerusalem, it doesn't look very destroyed. Mm-hmm. The idea is that we're talking about the, dest- the destruction of the inner Jerusalem. The spiritual component. Right, spiritual component. That's still quite destroyed. Perhaps being built up, but slowly, but um, there's definitely a spiritual component that's very much missing. Now some will say that will be uh, concurrent with the with the building of the Beis HaMikdash. You know, the building of the Beis HaMikdash will, be, will herald a change, but it's not, I don't think it is the change. It's important to more, point that out. I don't think the change happens unless it's unless the people can create the change that's big enough of a change to allow for such a Beit HaMikdash to be to be built. Change doesn't happen in the vacuum. Yeah, you're not, it's not going to be like some very bold people are going to go out there and do some crazy things and then build a building. You know what I'm saying? That's not going to do it. Mm-hmm. It's not, that's not really going to create the, the change that the so Beit HaMikdash... So it's not going to fall from the sky. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> well, that regardless of falling from the sky, that, that for sure, you know, the idea of falling from the sky means that it's going to be something that we're going to need a lot of help with. That's what I understand that medrash to mean. It's going to be something that we need a lot of help with. It's not going to come on our own. Hmm. It's almost as if like a building fell out of the sky. Um, so interesting to contrast that with how a lot of people <clears throat> believe it to be of just... We don't have to do anything because it's just going to fall from the sky. And you're saying, Dafka, we have to do a lot because buildings don't fall from the sky. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> so there's that. Um, so that's really the point that we can make about what's going on in the modern world is the, 
is having the izun, having the balance between what we're asked to do as a people and what we're asked also to be humble about as far as how much we can actually do on our own without some serious help. <laughs> it's, a, you know, with things that we can't control. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, Yom Yerushalayim, it becomes contested because a lot of people want to say, look, we want to, we want to celebrate in grande um, the fact that we're very grateful to have Yerushalayim as a step in the, in the process of, of Yeshua, of, of Geula, of redemption. Um, and, you know, we saw it in our generation and we were able to see America, amazing, uh, the, you know, the things that we're talking about, like, like something falling out of the sky. I guess the victory of the Six-Day War fell out of the sky in a certain way also because since then, no war has ever been so simple for the Jewish people of Israel. You know, it's not... Six-Day War was something totally unexpected. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't and say it was simple, though. What? No, I'm not saying it's simple. I'm saying it was... What? You said, you said no war has been so simple since... Simple in the sense that it was six days. It was six days, and that, and that um, besides the sacrifice, I mean, the odds... You know, analysts around the world were saying that's it. You know, the, the the nation, the new, the nascent nation of Israel in Israel has you know a few more days to live. I mean, it's, it was like written off. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be a massacre. I mean, they were digging tens of thousands of graves near near Tel Aviv to be able to put everybody that was going to get killed. That's, I mean, you're talking about you're talking about doom. <laughs> Talking about like being on the threshold of disaster and annihilation. I mean, it really looked bad. And when you talk to the, or when you read about those people that were very crucial to decision makers at the time, when they would look back, I think, honestly, they didn't really, they didn't know what they were doing. They did what they could at the time. It was just like such an incredible pressure to be able to do something and to make that preemptive strike on Egypt's air force and then I mean whatever happened afterwards it was just just incredible it's just nothing short of incredible really incredible so in that sense how could we just sit here and do nothing about it you know it is a it is a very it's an amazing victory it's a, it's a spiritual it should be um should be as always like we try to do to channel it into some spiritual energy right and to take advantage of uh, commemorating every year and so therefore, you can understand the exuberance that people want to show that, like, we don't need to walk around afraid in our own city. I mean, we, with blood and guts, you know, we, and with divine help, we feel that we took over, the, you know, and we became Chavshi Baratzenu, you know. We didn't imagine Jerusalem as it was then, today. Mm-hmm. Like half of Jerusalem or more cut in half, places you couldn't go. Very sensitive places. I mean, there's nowhere really that you can't go today. I mean, maybe Arabs will try to make, you know, you feel uncomfortable going to Yosef's uh, Kever or other sensitive areas that are sensitive to us. But generally speaking, everything is under protection. You know, if you want to go to Harazetim, you can go to Harazetim. During those years, you couldn't go up to Harazetim. Right. I mean, it was incredibly dangerous. And you couldn't go anywhere. Couldn't go anywhere, you know, to take a car, go through East Jerusalem. I mean, it was like, 
So it's all under our control. So you can understand the exuberance that people want to show that they want to do a flag march and they want to walk through wherever they walk through. And like, you know, get, and they're looking at people that are antagonistic amongst the Arab public and say, so just like, get used to it, man. You know, it hasn't, didn't happen yesterday. This is like 40 years. Mm-hmm. More. 60 years, 70 years. So, 50 years. So, so the point is that, uh, um, you know, uh, but on the other hand, there are those that say, like, you know, why do you have to, like, rub it in their face? So, again, the, both sides need to be heard, and both intentions need to be heard, you know what I'm saying? Because if it's just for rubbing in the face, so then you would, you know, everybody, it's always when two sides are arguing. Nobody's really disagreeing about what's being said, but what they're, being, what's being, what they're disagreeing on what's not being said. Like on the uh-huh. fine detail of the of the two positions, they say, "Oh, you guys are just uh, radical uh, instigators, inciters of violence, right?" As if they want to be inciters of violence. I mean, maybe there's always a few mishuganas in every group, but they're not there so that they can incite a riot. So they're like, you know, the government should do what they do to keep crime down, and we're gonna have a march. It's like if New Yorkers didn't, you know, didn't didn't want, you know, aren't going to do a, a the New York Day parade through some sections of the city because there are p- people that are like, you know, not so happy with the American government. I don't know. Well, they're they're going to like reroute the the parade. I mean, you know, we don't have those things. It's like get used to it. This is our country. So what, what's your issue? Yeah. On the other hand, the other people are being. You have to look at you know people more on the left, and they might be may, might be apologetic. Or apologeticists, or they might be saying, like, you know, maybe the country really doesn't belong to us, right? If they really have that feeling, so then of course they're really at odds with what's going on, and I don't think they're the ones that are arguing about this. It's more of an argument of what I said. It's like try to find try to find this balance that we were saying, like to to do what you can. To be with most most in touch with what's necessary to do, but not to overstep your bounds and think that like because of you, you know things are really going to change in ways that you certainly, if you were honest, you would realize you can't control. Mm. So 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 yeah, celebrate Yom Yishalayim. But like this idea of like kochi v'otzimiyadiyah is also a critique of like the idea of like we're gonna you know we're gonna do it, you know we're just gonna do it. We're gonna there has to be a certain sense of there has to be a certain sense of humility there also right tempered and and look the people that i look up to in both camps are sensitive people and i don't i feel neither of them are guilty of the things that i'm talking about so it's a difference of opinion so i'm saying mm-hmm. look it's not worth the risk you know whether you like it or not you might be inciting something you might be creating violence so it's not worth it and others are saying, look, if we take that position, so then what, there's no end. And it's, like, it's like telling somebody, look, I don't want you walking in your own backyard, you know, because you might upset the neighbors. Right. Who, would, who, are, these two, um, who are these two figures you, you mentioned? I think you'd be curious to hear a bit. You said they're from two different sides. So it might be interesting to hear two, two figures that you look up to that are on different sides of the... Of the argument. Well, I have to admit, most of the people that I know, 
are, you know, pro <clears throat> showing, uh, you know, are pro showing uh, of, you know, a public uh, celebrations. Mm -hmm. the, on the other hand, there are people that are very pacifistic in the sense that, like, they're not afraid to fight if it's necessary. They're not afraid. There are people that are afraid that they'll go to the other side of the world just to avoid something if they feel think that it needs, it needs to be fought for. But on the other hand, they're not people that want to create violence. They're not people that, for sure not, but they're not even people that have any feeling that, that there's, there's, no, there's no sense in their body that they're doing it to incite or to upset people or to aggravate people. Mm. In other words, let, let's say there's a parade going on in the center of town. You don't need to show up if you don't like it. I mean, whatever you believe about gay this and gay rights and this and that, if you don't like the idea of a gay parade, don't show up to the gay parade, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Nobody's asking you to go there because you disagree and throw things at people, right? But you don't show up, you know what I'm saying? Not everything in the world that happens, you know, but, but he's, these people are saying, look, we have the right to celebrate in our own backyard the reunification of Jerusalem. For us, it was a very significant spiritual transcendental moment. Look, I can't, you know, I can't help you with your issues. You know, stay away. And that's it. And it can go peacefully. On the other hand, the other side says, you know, that's very nice, but like pragmatically speaking, that's not what happens. There are hotheads on both sides, mm -hmm. and you're just uh, allowing for something to happen that's going to create inviting trouble. Inviting trouble. Mm -hmm. That's where the rational conversation happens. Like, what's better? You know, it's not a simple question. Is it worth taking that risk? How much of a risk? Hmm. Interesting. You still didn't mention, though, the these people that you look up to. I think it might be interesting for other people to hear about who are the people out there that they could read up on, see information, hear about. I mean, I, there's so many. I mean, I don't, I must have, like I said, I must admit, I don't know that many people personally that are anti, besides personal friends, but I don't think they're famous. I mean, I know, you know, you just read in Haaretz. <laughs> just read the paper. Mm -hmm. You know, read the left-leaning papers. Read Haaretz. <laughs> so you have Haaretz on one side. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think I actually saw an article there over Shabbat. I saw it, uh, an article about, like, inciting, you know, the necessity to have flags, you know, and wave it in their faces and stuff like that, like that kind of thing. Okay, and on the other side, it could be a good read, good people to hear from. The spokesman for the, I mean, Rabbi Yosef Carmel, I mean, there's, you know, Rabbi Yosef Tzvi Limon, all the Rosh Hashiva of all the heads of the yeshivas. All right. Practically. Good to know. If anyone wants to read up or hear hear from people who are, I guess, higher, higher up, some good resources. Um, okay, so concluding then that Yom Yerushalayim is a really great opportunity for us to be to acknowledge the goodness that God did for us with allowing us once again to have Yerushalayim as part of our wonderful country, um, one that, and that we can access it, and that it's under our our, uh, under our sovereign, 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 sovereignty, 
Plasmar. <laughs> Plasmar. That it's. I was looking for like an alternative to saying under our control, but fine, whatever. Under under our rule. Sovereign nation. Sovereign. <clears throat> um, it's also about balance, though. Yerushalayim itself historically comes from the word. It comes from a balance. Huh. It's an izun. It's it's supposed to be a place of balance. It's it's the place in Israel that historically was not divided amongst the tribes, so that there shouldn't be a pull, push and pull of private interests. It's supposed to be a place of peace, obviously. And peace, by definition, means balance. And I um, hope that it is that way. hope that it can really become that way. You can't really have, you can't really hope to have pure balance and pure peace unless, of course, there's a spiritual element that resides amongst people. Because if it's your interest versus my interests, and there's no, you know, kav, there's no line that unites us, which is ultimately only spiritual. If it's to be lasting, so then um, chances aren't so great that it's going to stay that way. But this is the this is also the real battle, the real the real struggle to maintain its spiritual character, and not just forcefully maintain it, but just like you know, hopefully through education, people can really connect to that. That will ultimately be the greatest guarantee to lasting peace. If people would just realize that there's a greater purpose to life instead of getting things your way. Nice. Okay. So gratitude, balance. Peace. Peace. Peace, brother. <laughs> Adios. And that's a wrap, my friends. We hope that our conversation inspired you and gave you something to chew on. Please send us your feedback, questions, comments, topics you'd be interested in discussing, and even triggers so we can generate more relevant and meaningful conversation. You can contact us at fdhp.feedback at gmail.com. And we are wishing you a blessed week, and we'll catch you next time.